0: Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since I've preached, and uh, as I mentioned, I'm tired, so this is going to be really rusty. Um, but we've been doing a series, whenever I've been preaching, uh, this summer, which feels like less than usual, on questioning and creative questions that Jesus asked in order to help us grow and shape our faith. And so today I want to begin just by warming us up. Uh, with a question for you, just to turn to somebody beside you, uh, preferably somebody that you didn't come with today, and just ask this question. What's the worst weather you have ever seen personally? This isn't a spiritual question, just what's the worst weather you've ever seen personally? Take a few minutes just to talk. All right, I'll start to focus you in. Just take a minute to wrap up, just a second to wrap up. I I, I love that moment, Uh, watching the energy as you come alive talking. I see a lot of hand gestures and motions and movement, too, as you explain your story. And uh, it's really, really cool to see just that energy come alive as you talk. Well, sometimes I I ask the question and then I lead right into a story or something else like that, maybe from my own life or some illustration. Today I want to get right into the story of Jesus. It's very short, very brief, but within those pages, it's a story I'm sure you've heard before if you've been around the church at all. It's even sort of popular within culture. Um, This is a a common image of Jesus and it's told very quickly, but it tells us something very powerful. So let's get right into it. In Luke chapter 8, beginning at verse 22, we see this story. And in fact, it's told in multiple gospels, but Luke tells it in a way that's especially helpful for our purposes today. So it says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. I don't know if you, about you, maybe over the summer you've had a chance to be at a cottage by a lake or somewhere beautiful like that. You've had a chance maybe even to be on the water. It's pretty appealing especially when it's a beautiful day, isn't it? To go out onto the water. And you can imagine in this moment, they're with Jesus. They've been doing all kinds of exciting things. They're probably quite happy. This is a great day. Let's go out on the water, Jesus says. Let's go across to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus, Jesus settled down for a nap. Today is one of those days I am trying to practice the activities of Jesus this afternoon. (laughs) I will be settling down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Any of you parents? Had one of those moments where your kids wake you up? How do you think Jesus felt in that moment? But there's this storm raging. There's a storm raging and they are in real danger. Remind you, many of these disciples are fishermen. Like, they've spent their lives on the water. They're not, they're not like unused to this kind of thing happening, I'm sure. But they recognize the danger they're in and they go to Jesus. Now it's not clear what they expect him to do in this moment. Maybe they're just telling him so that he doesn't sleep through the sinking of the boat. I'm sure that they don't expect that he will do what happens next. But they go to Jesus and they say, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Let's go to the next slide here as we see the story continue. When Jesus woke up, which I think the phrasing of that could indicate it took him a moment to shake you know, his head. Remember, Jesus was in fact fully human. I know when I woke up this morning, it took me a while to wake up. I don't even know if I've achieved it yet. <laughs> when Jesus woke up, He rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Now, this is different from the old man yelling at the wind. This is someone standing up and speaking against the wind and the waves with authority. Not just cursing it, not just, you know, angry that the wind is blowing, not just angry that the water is, oh, what a horrible weather day. It's not that at all. Jesus speaks with authority. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? Notice who, what does Jesus rebuke? Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves. He does not rebuke the disciples. He asks them a question. And what we've been exploring through this is how Jesus asks questions to grow us, to be creative in our faith. And here in this moment, they've gone through a terrifying experience and it suddenly leveled out. And Jesus says, where is your faith? These are fishermen. They have skill on the water. They had probably, at one point as the day began, they looked at the sky and they thought, beautiful day. And so they had had some faith that as they crossed the water, they had nothing to fear. Probably much like those poor people on the ferry a couple weeks ago. They started out on the journey thinking, what could possibly go wrong? I'm headed for a beautiful vacation. And then it all goes awry and a fire starts in the engine room. This storm comes upon them quickly. They probably had faith that the weather would hold out, but it didn't. They probably had faith in their skills as people who could work upon the water day in, day out, seeing themselves through many different storms, I'm sure. And yet they recognized in the midst of the storm that their skill was not adequate for the situation they probably had faith in the boat. They wouldn't have gotten in the boat if they didn't have faith that it would take them securely across the lake. They am sure that they had faith in many different things. And I'm not sure that they trusted that Jesus was going to solve the problem when they came to Him. And Jesus is asking, where is your faith? Were you trusting in your own skill or ability? Were you trusting in pleasant circumstances that seemed to surround you? Were you trusting in something that would hold you up and get you through some system, some opportunity, some resource? What were you trusting in as we were crossing this lake? And when Jesus says, where is your faith? He's asking them to consider what have I been trusting in this terrible dangerous moment. Now, it's not hard for us to begin to recognize and identify that in our lives, we have moments that feel like storms. Sometimes the circumstances of our life come upon us very suddenly, and the the atmosphere changes in a moment. And when that happens, it can throw us off. It can be alarming. It can be distressing. Sometimes those storms come in very quiet and it's almost more deadly and terrifying when it's quiet. It can also even come as a kind of numbness because we've seen so many storms that this one, this one is just another one. We feel dead and apathetic In these moments when storms come, whether they rage and we rage within them, or whether they rage and we stay numb through them. We know what storms are like. And so it's easy and we could quickly go to the place where we begin to consider our own storms and how Jesus might calm them. That's a real way that we could consider this story. But what I want to do is to take a moment to consider the question that's being asked and allow us to reflect on the, how Jesus is forming them in this moment. And I want to take you to a quote here. We'll go to the next slide. This is from Daryl L. Bach. Daryl wrote a commentary, um, the NIV application commentary on Luke. And this is a passage from that. I don't often quote commentaries. Sometimes they can be quite technical. This one's much more geared towards application, but he put it so clearly, I thought I would, I would share it for you today. Daryl Bach writes this, The storms of today can arrive in a rush of circumstances beyond our control. The point of connection is not in the precise situation the disciples face in the boat, So it's not that we're going to relate necessarily to the situation of a storm on the water. You and I, that's not our storm probably today. The point of connection is not in the precise situation the disciples face in the boat, but in the feelings of helplessness they have about where Jesus has led them. Events in our lives sometimes leave us feeling at risk, whether it be in a job situation that calls us to take a stand, in the severe illness of a loved one in an unexpected tragedy or in the breakdown of a relationship any of these can be a storm in which we doubt god's goodness we may feel god has left us to fend for ourselves and so i think what i want to talk to you today about is the the doubt the storm of doubt Because when the storms come, what tends to happen in those moments, whatever fear, whatever emotions we may have, underneath all of that and a common thread rolling through it all is a sense of doubt. A sense of doubt that perhaps God is good or that we will survive. So I want to talk to you about doubt. Because when we find ourselves in that place, it can be disorienting. It can be frustrating. It can be painful. We can wonder why we don't feel better, more confident. We can wonder why God doesn't seem to be answering. We can wonder why God seems to be asleep while we go through the worst circumstances of our lives. And doubt can feel like a raging storm or doubt can feel like a numbness within us but when the storm of doubt comes, and it will, we can hear Jesus say that same question to us. Where is your faith? Are you trusting in pleasant circumstances to get you through and to see you to the other side? Are you trusting in your own skill, ability? Are you trusting in some resource to keep you afloat? What have you seen fail in this moment? Now, you're here in church. You probably have come here of your own accord, but maybe not. Maybe you're here to please someone else. Maybe you don't know why you're here. Maybe you're here because it's your job. Just me? Maybe you're here because you have a deep and abiding joy in Jesus. Just me? Well, Maxwell does as well. What gives you strength? What do you lean on in these moments? Let's go to the next slide here. Jesus asks questions for faith formation more than information. Many, many times, Jesus asks questions to the people that are near him not to tell them specific details, but to help them grow in their trust of God when other things are unclear. Jesus is more concerned that your faith is formed rather than you are informed about all the details. Jesus is more concerned that you trust him than that you even know where you're going. Just that you follow. Again, another uh, slide here. This is the last part of the story. We see that as Jesus asks them that question, where is your faith? We see what they are left with. The disciples were terrified and amazed. That's quite a combination. They were both terrified and amazed. Remember, the storm had been raging and all of a sudden it was calm. After Jesus simply spoke. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. What they're left with is not information about who Jesus is. Yes, they've witnessed something, they've seen something, but Jesus has not explained who he is yet. All they've seen is him do something incredible. Who is this man? They continue to ask. Jesus has not tried to give them information about who he is. He's tried to give them a witness and an opportunity to see his power at work. To grow their faith in him. See, Jesus is more concerned about the formation of our faith than the information of our minds. That's not to say information is unimportant. It's not to say that Jesus won't teach us. It's not to say that Jesus won't bring any clarity whatsoever. That's not what I'm suggesting. However, his greatest hope for us and his desire as he asks these questions is for us to grow in our trust of him. And that's it. Another quote. Cheryl McGrath writes this. True faith is not having every answer. True faith is knowing that God is more than we can imagine. That He can appear in mysterious ways and that we don't need to know every answer. The quote attributed to Annie Lamott goes like this. Doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Certainty is. I spent a lot of time puzzling over this as I read it. Doubt isn't the opposite of faith. Certainty is. But before we get to that, let's look at these first little parts. No, no, go back. True faith isn't about having every answer. True faith is knowing that God is more than we can imagine. That He can appear in mysterious ways, that we don't need to know every answer. You will have moments where you don't know the answer. I have those moments where I don't know the answer. All of us will have a moment where it is not clear what God is up to. All of us will have a moment where we wonder, is God just asleep in all of this? And what faith calls us to do is to trust in God anyway. Because faith isn't about certainty. And you might say, well, pastor, I don't like the way that sounds. Of course, I'm confident in my faith. I stand upon the Word of God. I believe in Jesus. Yes, yes, and amen to all of that. But faith, isn't about certainty. It's about believing, trusting, following, moving forward when things are uncertain. That's what faith is. I'll take you to this next slide to explain this further. See, certainty is knowledge. It's being confident about what is seen. So, This is the realm of the sciences, for example. You can observe something. You can see it. You can look at it. You can understand it. And it can be known. That's the realm of certainty. But faith is in the realm of uncertainty. That doesn't mean it's not true. That doesn't mean that it's false. In fact, what faith is, is its confidence about what is not seen. Faith is confidence in what is not seen. And throughout the Scriptures, we hear different language, such as when our faith becomes sight, which is to say when we believe in the things that we can't see and then one day we see them, well, now that's actually knowledge because we've seen face-to-face with our own eyes. Faith is confidence about what is not seen. doesn't mean it's not true. doesn't mean it's not real but it means that we can't be certain because we can't see it. It's not faith if you can see it. It's just knowledge. There's always an element of a question in order for there to be faith. So for example, we we often talk about this looking to the future. Well, you can't be certain that something is going to happen in the future. You could say, I believe that Bob will meet me at Tim Hortons at 2 o'clock because of the knowledge I have of Bob that every other time he's shown up when we say we're going to meet. So I can use my knowledge to give me a confidence about what is unseen. And that's good. I can use my knowledge, what I have seen, in order to have a sense of clarity or confidence about what I can't yet see. But that's the act of faith, is looking ahead to something that can't be seen, or looking at the world and seeing something that can't be seen, and having a confidence about what can't be seen based on what we have seen. Where is your faith? The faith is placed in things that we can't yet see. I believe this to be true, but I know it when I see it. You know that phrase. So faith, confidence about what is not seen, can be expressed either in belief or unbelief. So I can't see it, but I'm confident about it. I believe in it. I can't see God, but I believe that God is real and alive. Or someone could say, I can't see God is real, but I'm confident that God does not exist. Both, both are statements of faith where there is uncertainty. is how can we know? Knowledge is about what we can see. Faith is about what we can't see. It can be either belief or unbelief. And doubt is lacking confidence at all. So, in the realm of certainty is knowledge. In the realm of uncertainty is faith and doubt. Doubt isn't the opposite of faith. It's in the same sphere. Doubt is in the realm of uncertainty, but so is faith. Because there's always a question. And that's why Jesus so often uses questions to draw us out, to engage us, to allow us to think, to use the knowledge that we do have, to take what we have seen to begin to... Imagine what is real that we can't see. And doubt can often actually be a stepping stone between faith that is expressed in belief and faith that is expressed in unbelief. So for example, the person, and I i remember going through the Alpha course. Some of you have been through the Alpha course in which people shared their stories of coming to know Jesus. I remember hearing the story of a number of people who were firm, staunch atheists. I can't see God. I don't believe God exists. And so what they had done is they came to a place where things started to happen they couldn't make sense of. Or teaching they began to hear began to challenge the things they believed in. And they began to doubt their unbelief. They began to doubt their confidence in what they couldn't see. And doubt became for them a stepping stone between unbelief and belief. What I'm getting at with all of this is it's normal to have doubt and it's healthy to have doubt when it drives us to ask the questions when it drives us to seek the answers. Because here's the conviction I have underneath of it all. I believe that God is real, alive, and true. And that if you honestly ask the questions and you pursue them to the end, you will find God there. You have no fear to ask the biggest hardest, most difficult questions in those moments of doubt because if you pursue them honestly, you will find the truth. You will find the one who is truth. And you will gain a confidence in what will be uncertain for many people. You will begin to see things that you thought were invisible. And you will grow in your faith as you ask those questions. Sometimes, churches, pastors, ministries, Christians can be threatened by people who ask questions. Sometimes we feel threatened because how could you even doubt? How could you even ask the question that suggests that maybe this isn't true? But instead, what Jesus and the teachings of Scripture show us is that asking the questions is good. And it can be constructive. And it can strengthen us. Because, yes, for a time, it may lead us to look in other directions. But if we're honest, it will lead us to the source of truth. Uh, Let me give you another quote. I I recognize, I tried to use the graphic because I hoped it would be helpful, but I recognize that could feel a little bit esoteric for some of you. Oz Guinness wrote this, in I Believe in Doubt. Understood properly, this biblical view sees the role of doubt as constructive to belief. The role of doubt is constructive to belief. A bold Christian affirmation is that because faith in Christ is true and fears no question or challenge, doubt can be a stepping stone to a tougher, deeper faith. When we have a sense of confidence and that confidence is taken away and we exist now in the place of doubt, it can be terrifying. It can feel like you are in real danger. It can feel like the boat is sinking. And yet, when we are in that moment of doubt and asking the tough questions and we are pursuing the truth, it can lead us to something that is greater and better. It has become more common in our day to hear about Uh, deconstruction. I don't know if you've heard talk of that. But it's it's common, especially um, where I've been hearing about it most, is in the United States, where Christians who have proclaimed themselves as evangelical are seeing the things that the church has attached itself to and saying, that doesn't look like Jesus. And as a result, they're dismantling their faith and rebuilding it. What some people have seen is a church that seems to be so aligned with political figures that they are not aligned with the purposes and heart of Jesus. And they say, that's a faith that I reject. And I've seen other people who've who've looked at theology or teaching within churches and said, that just doesn't seem true. It seems to be producing bad fruit, and it's causing harm. Or they look at a church that says there's been sexual abuse there, and it was covered up by the church and the body, and that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that Jesus would be in support of. In fact, this morning I, I woke up and I read an article about news that came out uh, in Ontario of a pastor with sexual abuse in his history that was covered up. And when you look at those things and you say, if that's what those Christian leaders can be about, if that's what that church can be about, you should question that. Because if you have a faith that supports those kinds of activities, you should tear it down. It should be torn down. That's a faith that is built on something that is wrong and unhealthy and ungodly. And that can leave you feeling disoriented. It can leave you in a place of pain. It can leave you with a sense of sadness and loss because something you loved now has shown itself to be false. And in those moments, it's good to doubt those things that you believed. Because those things have shown themselves to be false and wrong and untrue and unfruitful. But in that space of doubt, if we pursue the truth, Jesus will show Himself. In those moments where a role model, a teacher, a leader, a parent, someone that we love lets us down, it can discourage us, it can bring pain in our lives, it can cause us to question everything. But those questions can be good and constructive if we honestly pursue the truth. And through those moments of doubt, through those moments where the uncertainty seems overwhelming and we feel as though we are in real danger, if we ask the question that Jesus asked, we will find truth. And the question is, where is your faith? Have you been putting your faith in people that will fail you ultimately? Have you been putting your faith in resources that can never last? Have you been putting your faith in institutions that are based on human structures of sin? Have you been putting your faith in ideas that can't hold the truth? What are you putting your faith in? Where is your faith? And when we question those things, it can feel as though the world is crumbling and falling apart. And maybe it should. Maybe the world that we have constructed, the world that we live in, needs to be torn down and made new. And doubt can be terrifying. It can be overwhelming. And yet... Jesus can use it to rebuild our faith in what is true. To get rid of the bad. To throw out the garbage. To point us in the direction of life. In that moment on the water, Jesus stands before the storm and simply speaks. And reveals that the truth is they were never in danger all along when they put their trust in Him. When their trust was in the boat, the boat would sink. When their trust was in their skill, their skill would fail. When their trust was in the calm circumstances of the day, the weather can change. But when their confidence was in Jesus, whether there's a storm or a sunny day, they're okay. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? And if you have questions, if you have doubts, if you have uncertainties, that's okay. Jesus might be working on you to bring something stronger and deeper because you've looked at it carefully. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? One of the shortest letters in the New Testament, It's, it's only one chapter long, is Jude. And there's a short phrase in it that simply says, show mercy to those who doubt. I want this to be a church where we show mercy to those who doubt because doubt is not a rejection of God. It may, in fact, be the thing that God is using to, to take us a step towards Himself. And when you have doubt, when you have questions, pursue them honestly. Allow me, allow those who love Jesus around you, who love you and care about you, to listen to your questions. And even if we say nothing in response, to encourage you to bless you, to seek the truth. Because the truth wants to be found. The truth is pursuing you. Don't be afraid in your doubt. Don't be afraid in your uncertainty. Grow a trust in Jesus because He loves you, cares for you, will be faithful to you through it all. Where is your faith? What have you put your trust in? May you seek Jesus. And build your life on His truth above it all. So if you have doubt, if you're uncertain, you're in good company. Doubt is the realm of faith. Doubt can drive us to our knees to seek God, if we're honest about. So, I hope that we will be a church that shows you mercy when you doubt. That we will be a church that pursues Jesus together even when we just can't see what's going on and can't make sense of it. So that's what I believe Jesus wants us to do. And to find our faith, our trust, founded in Him. I'm going to pray for you. But I want to say, after the service, if there's questions that you have I'd love to chat with you about them. Send me an email. Give me a call. Talk to me after the service. Don't feel alone in your doubt. Jesus is with you, and I'll be there. We'll be there with you if you want us to be. Let's pray. Jesus, sometimes the storm is so loud we can hardly hear our own voices screaming to you. And sometimes we become so accustomed to the storm that it no longer seems to surprise us and we just feel numb to it all now and we just are apathetic to even caring. But in the storm, what the scripture tells us not only is that you're present, but that you're powerful. We don't always have to know the answer. We don't have to know why the storm came. We don't always have to know how to get ourselves out of the storm. We just have to know You. Use those moments of doubt. Use those moments of uncertainty to draw us into Yourself. To honestly seek the truth. To honestly seek the One who is true knowing that you are looking for us, that you care for us, and that you want to welcome us into a deeper faith and trust and understanding. So Jesus, we look to you. We look to you as our Savior. Help us to trust you more. In your name we pray.